0: I want to. Um, I brought with me a, a few books that uh, may be of interest to you. Um, I, I am. I'm not surprised. Um, uh, I don't want to say I'm disappointed either. I just know that we don't often, as pastors, we don't often uh, give y'all resources to help you in certain areas to become familiar with certain things. So I figured tonight I, I just picked out four that I thought would be of greater interest to you. When it comes to uh, philosophical and ethical matters, uh, these these books I do highly recommend. The first one is called A Handbook for Christian Philosophy, written by uh, Doctor L. Russ Bush. He was a uh, uh, he was the the chair actually of the the philosophy department at Southeastern Seminary. He he died a couple years ago, um, but uh, this book is in another reprint. But it's a wonderful primer and, and to help get you. Um, Aware of some terms, when it, uh, a philosophy, what are what were trends of thought? Uh, I can honestly tell you that Solomon was right. There's nothing new under the sun. A lot of things that we think are brand new concepts, they have they've already been around. They're just repackaged <laughs> many times. Uh, this one is a, is a little bit deeper, um, but I highly recommend it for those that you may know who are struggling with the. Um, Validity of the Christian Faith, and it's called Reasonable Faith, Christian Truth, and Apologetics, written by William Lane Craig. Excellent, excellent book. Again, it's probably in another reprint now. This was one of the first editions. Um, uh, a good one to, uh, that I recommend is Evangelical Ethics, Issues Facing the Church Today, written by John Jefferson Davis. Uh, this is a third edition. There's, It may still be third edition. I don't know. And then... Um, Lewis Poyman has written a book called Life and Death, a Reader and Moral Problems. Um, This is basically a series of articles. He's the general editor, but there's a series of articles through here that you may find very interesting. These are not for borrowing purposes. I won't let them out of my sight, but you can, uh, if you want to come and write down the titles or the ISBN numbers, if you're interested in purchasing uh, some of those resources, then, then by all means, you can come and look at them from a distance. Okay. Um, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. By all means, you can uh, certainly, um, they're available to you if you need them. All right. Now, tonight, we are beginning a discussion on the ethics of warfare. Of all of the particular topics of ethics of life and death, this one is my favorite. Um, for some reason, I gravitate to it um, in its study and, and research probably more than any, any else and there are a few reasons why uh, number one I have never served in the military although I came awfully close I enlisted in the United States Army back in 1996 1996 uh, went through the processing uh, was given my um, my date of depl- uh, my, my date of going shipping off for basic training my, I was given an MOS I took all that stuff but while that was my desire, it was not God's will for my life. And it was made abundantly clear that, that God did not have in my future a, a stint within the military. I am thoroughly patriotic. And so, you know, I was sad, but God's will is more important than, than any branch of the military. And so I had to apply for separation. I did. And, and so that was it. But I, I have I've always had strong feelings about the military. Um, and so, I guess that's one of the reasons why this interests me. Uh, another one is is the fact that this generates a lot of rabbit trails, and uh, for that reason, uh, I'm actually going to take two Wednesdays to uh, cover this topic. We may not get through the entire handout. My handout is twice as long as yours. There are things that I cut out uh, that I'm going to use as discussion um, uh, jumping boards that I didn't put in your handout. So. Even though yours may look relatively short, it may take us a little bit longer to get through them. This is truly a topic where uh, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. We're going to go through a lot of material very quickly. You're going to get wet. Uh, and and so, um, so, yeah. I love constitutional freedom. I believe personally, as I read the Scriptures, that a constitutional freedom does have a lot of bearing and a lot of similarities to the freedom that we have in Christ. And here's what I mean. Constitutional freedom is a freedom that is guided by constraint. We are not free in America to do anything we want to. Our constitution isn't set up. We are a constitution set up by rules and laws and and, and regulations. We are a constitutional republic that that, that says that at the base of our code of conduct, we realize, according to former uh, or or older documents, that we have unalienable rights, that we were endowed by a creator, big C. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But even life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness doesn't mean that I'm free to do whatever I want to. If the pursuit of happiness for me means that I'm going to go be a mass murderer, well, then I, I can't pursue happiness. Okay? That would be wrong. Same as, there, there, and I believe there's some, some, some strong corollary lines that could be drawn to the freedom that we have in Christ. Because you're free from sin doesn't mean you're free to do anything you want to. Paul uh, talked a lot about this. In his uh, church, to uh, the letter, uh, his his letter to the church in Rome and to the Corinthian church, First Corinthians. He, just because you're free doesn't mean you can use your freedom uh, for any good thing, because some of those good things could be bad. Let's see, our love for one another can control, should control, the things that we do or don't do. Are you following me so far? Do you understand where I'm going? Okay. Furthermore, I believe that... running a convenience store being